0: Good evening, and welcome to episode 124 of the Revelation Power Podcast. I'm author and host Kevin Hopkins, and we are making our way through the Gospel of John a verse at a time. I'm not going to skip anything. I'm not going to leave things out. I'm not going to share what's convenient and skip what's tough. We're just going to go verse by verse through the entire Gospel of John and kind of deal with what's at stake, and what John's trying to show us in the gospel account. So today, we're in John chapter 1, beginning in verse 43. It's the calling of the disciples Philip and Nathaniel. <clears throat> John 1, 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than that. He then added, Very surely, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. It's an interesting account and all of the accounts of Jesus calling disciples in any of the Gospels are really interesting narratives. That calling narrative is compelling to us because when we read them, it's like Jesus is calling us. So Jesus has, at this point, at least John, Andrew, Simon, Peter. And so he's got three or four disciples with him the day before and then decides that next morning, that he's going up to Galilee. So he finds Philip. Now, that's an interesting statement in verse 43. Finding Philip, he said to him, It doesn't say seeing Philip, coming across Philip, happening upon Philip. It says finding Philip. What does that imply? that Jesus was looking for Philip. There's a couple things here that imply purpose and some foresight on Jesus' part. This is the first of those statements. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. So Philip was sought. Jesus set out that morning looking for Philip. He went to get him. We don't know if he knew Philip before, if he'd met Philip, if someone had recommended Philip to him. The Bible simply says he found him, implying he was looking for him. Jesus is looking for his next disciple. That was true then, and that's still true today. He approaches Philip, and he says very simply, follow me. Now, other Gospels record... The calling of other disciples with the words come follow me but here it's just follow me the words of a rabbi calling young men to follow him as his disciples the difference is that the other rabbis went to the yeshiva school And had the rabbis who taught the yeshiva school line up the boys who were the sharpest in their class. And the rabbi then would say to one of them, follow me. And that young man would decide whether or not he wanted to follow that rabbi. It was an honor to be asked. So it was very seldom that anyone would turn down the chance. But these guys are all older. They've been shelled out. They've been pushed aside. They're not wealthy. They're not influential. They don't belong to families of influence. They're kind of a ragtag bunch of guys who are really past the prime of picking for rabbinical disciples. And yet Jesus goes and finds Philip and says to him, Follow me. Philip knows what it is. It's the calling to be a disciple. Philip, Andrew, Simon, Peter, they're all from Bethsaida. And so they're friends. They've grown up together. And Philip goes and finds Nathanael. Verse 45, Philip found Nathanael. Philip went looking for Nathanael. He's passing along the calling that Jesus has given him. And he says, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. It's this Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now, Nathaniel's response is honest, but abrupt. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? It wasn't a remarkable town. It's just a little village. And it was dirty. And most of the people that lived there were, were laborers. It wasn't where you would think the Messiah would come from. Nazareth? No way. Philip's response is very simple. Well, come see. You don't know till you come and look. Come and see what you think. So Nathanael goes with his friend to find Jesus. And as he's approaching, Jesus says, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. It's quite a statement. It's a character statement. Jesus is is making a character statement about a guy he's never met and it strikes nathaniel as funny as it would strike you and me nathaniel probably prides himself on his plain spokenness given what he's just said to his friend but he says how do you know me jesus answers him with this very insightful response. I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. There's no way that Jesus can know what Nathaniel was doing before Philip arrived. Philip couldn't have passed it on. Only Andrew would know. I'm sorry, only Nathaniel would know. And so Jesus says to Nathaniel, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Now that's eye-opening. And Nathaniel says, Teacher, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. He comes out with these abrupt, also character statements, right? Jesus makes a statement about Nathanael being an, an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And that fascinates Nathaniel. he responds with big huge character judgments about Jesus you are the Messiah you are the son of God you are the king of Israel (laughs) and and Jesus responds I hear him chuckling you you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree you're going to see a whole lot bigger things than that I tell you surely you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. It sounds kind of grandiose, doesn't it? And who wouldn't want to see heaven open and the angels ascending and descending on Jesus? But the angels come to Jesus when he's tempted in the desert. Angels come to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Heaven opens when he's baptized in the moment of transfiguration, which, incidentally, Nathaniel isn't at. Heaven opens when the veil of the temple is torn while Jesus dies on the cross. These times that the angels come and go, the times when heaven is opened, they're not going to be Glorious, easy times. You're going to see greater things, Nathaniel, but they're going to come at a price. The point of this passage, the calling of Nathaniel, is is the calling of you and me. Our calling isn't any different. Someone said, I found Christ. You can know him too. Come and meet him. We were incredulous. Do I need Jesus? Do I need a faith? Do I need religion? Can he really forgive me? Can he really save me? And all our friends could say was, well, come and see. So we went to see, and we found Christ, and he knew us before we knew him. And we marveled at the things that he could do as simple as forgiving us, as simple as redeeming us, And his promise to us was, oh, you're going to see a lot better than that. But the truth is, we only see the best of Christ in the hardest of times. My relationship with Christ is is kind of taken for granted until times are hard, until things are tough, until real faith is required, and then heaven opens. And then the ministry of the angels flows through because that's when I need it. Jesus doesn't tell Nathaniel, oh, you're going to see the angels come and go at the point that I need them the most. He just says, You're going to see them come and go. The same is true in your life today and mine. We can see heaven opened we can see the glory of God in our lives in each and every day, but especially in the times when we need Him. I have a good friend who's a teacher, fellow teacher at our school, and he just found out a few weeks ago that he has a life-threatening cancer. He and I had spoken about the faith and about Recovery and about all kinds of things leading up to that time. But now, I talked to him this past week and he said, you know, those petty little arguments my wife and I tended to have, those are gone. Something more important is at hand. The, the difficulties I was having with my kids, those are gone. Teachers I didn't even know knew my name, have brought stuff by my house. They brought us food. They have brought us toilet paper. They have brought us stuff that we need. People that I don't even know in this community. He's only lived here a few months. He said, people I don't even know in this community have, have called, have reached out, have offered help. He said, you know, I, I've always believed in God But I always was a little bit disappointed that I never heard from him or saw him. He said, Kevin, in the last month, since I heard the words cancer, I've seen more of God in three weeks than I saw in the previous 40 years. And I realized God doesn't come in a burning bush anymore. God doesn't come in a voice from the sky. God doesn't come in a pillar of fire or a pillar of smoke. God comes dressed like the teacher across the hall with a casserole. God comes as my friend with a bunch of burn ointment because he went through chemotherapy and he knows I'm going to need it or radiation and knows I'm going to suffer the burns and knows exactly what's best. And it looks like an odd gift, but but he knows what I need. And he walks away and I realize that's God. That's Christ himself coming into my life at the moment that I most need him. Folks, I can't tell you how awesome it is when you represent Christ. 30 years ago almost, I walked into an emergency room. People in our church had had a fire in their kitchen and the wife and mother had gone to dance class to pick up their daughter from dance. When she got back through the window, she could see that the kitchen was engulfed in flames. And she ran in and tried to put the fire out and burned her hands and arms pretty badly. I got called and I went straight to the hospital, walked into the emergency room where they were, asked in which observation cubicle she was. They told me and I I went and called through the curtain to make sure it was okay to enter and then walked in. Her husband, my good friend, was there. They were scared. I could tell by the looks on their faces how scared they were. She was worried that that they, her scars wouldn't heal, her burns wouldn't heal. She'd have terrible scars on her skin, and that her hand, the function of her hands, might not be a hundred percent. A third of their house had just burned. She's worried about her hand function and her skin and things more important than the stuff. In the next couple of weeks I saw their church family, their their small group members show up at their house in their in their muck boots and their gloves and and just shovel out the damaged stuff, clean out that end of the house that was damaged, pull up carpet and take up tile and pull out countertops and anything that the fire had touched went out of the house and then artisans from the church, craftsmen go in and rebuild the living room and kitchen where the fire had affected it rebuild walls pour in insulation paint and fix it up so that it was better than it had been when it caught fire after about I don't know, two or three weeks. The lady got her bandages off, and her husband called me and said, hey, pastor, if you've got a minute, could you just come by the doctor's office while she gets these bandages off? She doesn't want you to know, but she's really worried. So I took an early lunch and went by the doctor's office, and the doctor went to our church as well, so he knew who I was. They let me hang around until the couple came in, and he said, honey, I, I called the pastor and he's going to sit with us. I said, first, I'm going to pray for you. So we prayed and went in and the nurse cut the bandages away. When they took those bandages off, not only did she not have any scars, but, you know, we were all about the same age and that age where we've been out in the sun enough that we're starting to get some, some sunspots on our skin and starting to get some Some slack skin, some wrinkles were were just finally starting to show the beginnings of of aging. They took those bandages off. Not only did she not have any scars, she had the skin of a 10-year-old. I mean, her skin was not only not scarred, there were no age spots, there was no slack skin, there were no beginnings of wrinkles, it was like baby skin. And she just began... To weep. And she started thanking me, and I'm like, don't thank me. We prayed to God and we handed it over to him. This is this is what God's done. They had some more things to say to the doctor, and I prayed with them and thanked God for the miraculous touch that he delivered into her life. And then I started to leave, and her husband walked out into the hall with me. And he said, hey, buddy, you need to know something. When somebody's in trouble and you walk through that door, it feels like God has come into the room. If I can be honest with you, I would tell you that going to hospitals, going into hospital rooms where people are dying, going into funeral homes, walking into tents, Situations of fear and loss is my least favorite thing in this world to do. But when he said that, it made it worth it. It it made me realize that in my weakness, God is the strongest. In the things that scare me the most, God is the most fearless. When I have very little faith, God's faith through me is immense and people sense that and feel that i'm bringing the presence of christ with me that's the most important thing i'm bringing not my prayers not even my presence i'm bringing the presence of christ with me because i've prayed and said lord if you don't go with me i'm in real trouble here in my weakness he is strong now i understand what it means God is calling you today. Christ is calling you. Follow me. Into hospital rooms, into people's homes, into your classroom, into your office. Follow me. You don't have to lead the way. Christ will lead the way. All you have to do is follow. Come where I ask you. Come where you're invited. Go where I tell you. Follow me. only question in your relationship with Christ and mine, the only question is, will we follow? Will we go when he invites us?